With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. They fake it, Bradshaw, near side. Ahmad inside of the 30, gets a block out in front. Bradshaw, touchdown, Army! Well, uh, you, you're probably asking the question, why do we got a highlight of Army running the wishbone? <laughs> Uh, with all that's going on, let me uh, first of all, I want to say this. I'm going to explain it to you here in a moment. But these are the dog days of sports, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't they? August. This is the summer, the midsummer yeah. dog day of sports. Especially when the local nine is yeah, yeah. on a fire sale. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we got the WNBA All Star game in town. Mm-hmm. We got Jack Morris and Jim Tomey going into the Hall of Fame on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not be twins, but we love them, right? Uh, they, they, uh, one guy won the World Series for you, and the other made 2010 fantastic in the yep. new ballpark. Yep. Uh, we got the Vikings starting camp. We got the sad news about Tony Sperano. We got uh, the new quarterback, 84 million, all of it guaranteed. Uh, we got Escobar getting traded uh, now, and who knows who's coming next. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got uh, Jimmy Butler. Looks like Woody Harrelson in uh, that. Uh, what's uh, what's the movie? Kingpin. With Kingpin. Kingpin. He looks like Woody Harrelson <laughs> in Kingpin. Right. That's uh, that's all we got going on. These are the dog. Oh, by the way, we got the hottest team in MLS. They can't be stopped. That's Five right. goals against one of the best teams. Uh, it's amazing the sports around here that are available. It's incredible. We it's, do have a it, lot it, of it options. Is, it is incredible. Anyway, that was the option offense because uh, ESPN.com uh, did did a great piece this week on the wishbone offense turning fifty, and it's uh, Jake nice. Jake Trotter did the piece. Look it up. It's online. It's uh, terrific, and uh, of course. The, the concept of that kind of option football started with Bill Yeoman at Houston with the Veer. But uh, Texas had uh, won a national championship with Roger Staubach, with Daryl Royal, the great Daryl Royal. And then they'd had some mediocre years. And they had a, an old high school coach named Emery Ballard, who Royal added to the staff. He was an old Texas high school coach. And he loved her, and Daryl Royal wanted to run the football. He didn't want to get into this fancy <laughs> dancy throwing it around. He was the original guy who said, Three things can happen when you throw a pass, and two of them are bad. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he was that guy, and he, he's a legend. And uh, there was a drinking joint in uh, on campus, basically, called the Villa Capri. And that's where Daryl drank, I guess. He would uh, go to that place, and uh, they would have a Friday night 
press session with the the people who get there. And then he also had his own drinking room there, the 201. And it was up there, apparently the room 201 of the Villa Capri, where he said to Emery Ballard, come up with some kind of a running offense for me, will you? <laughs> and Emery Ballard, and he said, so Emery Ballard said, well, why don't we run the veer? He said, no, I want to block him back. I don't, I, I don't want, you know, in the veer, it was basically quarterback, uh, two running, a, a running back on each side and run the option either way. Yep. And you had a tight end and you had two receivers and the receiver could come back and take a reverse or something like that. But Daryl didn't want that. He wanted a fullback. Mm. So that's how he came up with the wishbone. They put the full, they had the two, they had the beer lineup, but instead of a tight end, they had the fullback sitting behind the quarterback. Right behind him, yeah. And one of the things they did as as they they started off with this the first two games it didn't 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 do too well and then they put they've set the fullback back another yard they had some big bruiser and they let him get a running start more of a running start mm-hmm. on that play but they got the wishbone and then you know basically this was the Texas they won two straight national championships 69 and 70 Alabama started running it everybody Oklahoma which is Barry, Barry Switzer ran yeah, it in Oklahoma Barry didn't he? Barry's tell, quoted this story saying Emory Daryl Royal let him come down and interview Emory Ballard about how you ran the damn thing <laughs> and he said I still don't know why Daryl let me do that but uh and then he started beating him with it of course with the wishbone but uh, it was, uh, it's, and uh, Mickey Herkowitz, a famous uh, sports writer in Houston, was in the room drinking on the Friday night before the Texas game with the, uh, like the sports writers did. And they were talking about the new offense. And, and Mickey Herkowitz said, looks like a wishbone. Because, you know, it looks like a wishbone. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and then Daryl Royal started calling it the wishbone. Nobody knew what to call it until. The, the sports writer, and he said, he said, I made damn sure Daryl gave me credit for it, too. Herkowitz did <laughs> a really good story on uh, on the genesis of that offense that basically owned football for, what, 10 years? 10, 12 Pretty years? Much, yeah. 10, 12 years. When they yeah. were all gathered around, Switzer and the boys, were they drinking Pearl? I don't know if they were drinking Pearl. <laughs> I don't know if they were God, drinking Pearl. I love Pearl. that story. They, they were probably <laughs> drinking whiskey, I got a hunch. But... Uh, they might have been drinking Lone Star Long Necks, too, like my guy Galloway did. He drank Lone Star Galloway. You could still drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> I know you. I know you went through treatment, but you could have a beer. In the backseat <laughs> back of the car. On the way to, on the way to Texas a and I went the damnedest. Oh, I, I went God. down and I had, a, I had an hour with Switzer. I had an hour with Switzer on oh Friday before the Gophers went down there. Poor Goody went down. Holtz left. He left. He left. <laughs> he left. Poor Goody with the opener against Oklahoma in like September first or something. Down in Norman, hundred and ten degrees oh in Norman. God. Oh, and you know the year before he'd been up here with Aikman as the quarterback. Aikman got hurt. Aikman and He went back hurt. to Jamil Holloway and said, "The yeah. hell with this. I'm not running this pro option offense anymore." And that one was sixty three all. But I was with Switzer for an hour before that game. And then went down there to practice. He didn't care. These practice, open practices, the, the, everybody knew. But from one sideline to the other, 
if somebody was standing there, you could just see the top of their heads. That's how big the hump was in the middle of the field <laughs> on that on that turf yeah. down there because they wanted to be run. They ran that wishbone basically downhill. They were running it downhill right. and uh, building speed, and it was, uh, yeah, 63-0. I remember Doug Grob told the story a hundred <laughs> times. Doug Groh and I were both standing outside. He was writing columns for the Tribune. I was writing it for the Pioneer Press, and they're <laughs> coming off the field. There's <laughs> all these... Big-headed Swedes are coming off the field after getting beat 63-0. The sweat's pouring them off. It's 110, and this, this gorgeous 20-year-old Oklahoma co-ed is standing there while we're watching them walk in, and she's nearby, and she sees all these guys walking in. She says, hey, you boys be sure to come back real soon now. We really, we really enjoyed having you. Yeah. <laughs> 63-0 up on the scoreboard. I said to Gro, you didn't hear that, did you? And he says, yeah, I did. It was the punchline on both our columns. The next time. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, the wishbone invented 50 years ago uh, this fall by a guy named Emery Ballard, an old high school coach who ended up at Texas A&M as, as the head coach for a while. We'll be back. Sturgill Simpson uh, is today's uh, musical guest, and uh, we thank him for his efforts. Kevin Seifert at ESPN.com is with us. He was in Montreal last night to see Johnny Manziel not play. <laughs> it was uh, it was one of the more uh, momentous nights of my career. I have to say, <laughs> were you among? You had to be among the people booing we and yelling, <laughs> "We want Johnny! I'm here for Johnny, not for uh, uh, Mr. Adams, who uh, played briefly, I think, in Oregon, right?" Yes, he was a uh, he was, he played a few years ago at Oregon. Has been bouncing around the CFL uh, for a while. Um, yeah, I you know we. In retrospect, maybe we shouldn't have been so optimistic that he was yeah. going to play. It was been such a quick turnaround, and uh, and it was uh, really they had one real practice heading into that game. But it's off of the CFL and not the NFL, and they traded two first round picks to get him, and they're one and four. And so I thought maybe they just throw him out there. But Mike Sherman, who is the former Packers coach and now the coach in Montreal, took a very NFL approach, long term uh, approach to it. Yeah, that's he had no sense of humor with the Packers, and he doesn't have one there either. I mean, fourth quarter, let him get out there and run a couple of, of his, when they're getting beat, run a couple of his Johnny run all over the place, throw a pass plays, man. Yeah, like that's that one of the things about being in the CFL is you should be a little more uh, uninhibited, I think, even if your personality is not that way, yeah. your play calling can be because it's a wider open league, a, a lot more chance for offensive fun especially, but uh not last night in Montreal. That's a senior league up there when it comes to coaching, man. June Jones and uh, Sherman and a couple others. Jerry Glanville is the defensive coordinator uh, for June Jones. That's, is that right? He is. He's 75 years old, I think. <laughs> Still and, crazy. Uh, and, of course, uh, Tressman's back up there now, too, with Toronto. Tress, so. Tressman back up there. So, yeah, there is an interesting uh, uh, story there that uh, so many American uh, coaches are now uh, taking over in the CFL. We'll see if that continues. I, I don't know if um, if all of them get uh, get it. You know is, the way that the way that things should go up there. Is uh, Johnny football still magic as far as uh, getting him in a headline on a, on a website or a newspaper or something? He is. He is. There's a uh, you know there's a very uh, endearing story I guess to a lot of people in terms of his attempt at a comeback and. Frankly, his previous train wreck, I think, draws yeah. attention to, and 
So there's, you know, I said this yesterday in Montreal. People are saying, why is ESPN here for a game that, uh, you know, or who knows if he's going to play at all? And, you know, there's some guys who have transcendent stories, and, you know, you don't put all these people in the same sentence in terms of their career uh, accomplishments, but no. you talk about you talk about Tim Tebow, you talk about Brett yep. Favre, Tiger Woods, um, Johnny Manziel, people that that like that's the entry point. They're interested if that name is involved, and so there will definitely be people on the other side will say, like, "I'm so tired of all this talk about them." But um, there's a lot of consumption of those stories that occur. So, oh yeah, Tebow. I mean, Tebow getting getting hurt, getting is some kind of an injury, and not he won't be able to get called up to the big leagues now. Well, he's no, thirty one. He shouldn't be called up to the big leagues. But, but like, wasn't wasn't it pretty much a guarantee he yeah. was going to be a September call up? Yes, oh, I, mean, I would guess yeah. so. But it, yeah, it it is uh, it is amazing. Well, I, as I've been saying, Kevin, all you got if you want to know the. Uh, the the power of name recognition. Look at the NBA. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's bigger than it's ever been, and they can have some of the most lopsided playoffs of all time, and nobody cares. And uninterested, uninteresting regular seasons as well. Yeah, yeah. that's the way it goes. So uh, anyway, uh, Johnny. Hopefully, they'll get him in there next week, uh, and and he'll be able to kind of create some kind of a career in much different circumstances. Of course, Flutie went up there and uh, yeah. came back and got to play five six years in the uh, in the NFL. And Warren Warren Moon, I I still don't know why he had to go up there, but uh, you know he came back. Yeah, he was, was already another... in his 30s when he came back. There was that was unfortunately another era of uh, personnel evaluation. I guess yes. is the best way to put it. So I want to ask you about uh, Jerry Jones uh, says uh, this week if uh, you cannot stay in the locker room for his team if you're not yeah. there standing on the line uh, you're going to get cut by the Cowboys you're not going to be a Cowboy his son backed that up on Thursday where's the league here uh, what what don't they uh, uh, don't they they can't tell him to shut up huh. No, they, they, I, I mean, and this is a long list of, of possibilities, but I can't think of another time where I've seen the league more paralyzed um, in terms of uh, an issue that's facing it than this. Uh, even if you, I mean, they were heavily criticized for the concussion thing, but they had a very clear uh, strategy yeah. and motivation for how they attempted, you know, way back in the, in the day to, um, to, to bottle up the, the fear of concussions. But they... I don't think that they they can't find a, a solution that works, and I don't know if there is one. But uh, it starts with the fact that for every Jerry Jones in the ownership group, there's another Chris Johnson or somebody who from the Jets who thinks that they should be handling it differently. So, if Roger Goodell's job is not necessarily to lead, but to find a way to bring those guys into agreement, uh, there's no path there because there are a lot of people very dug in, and so that's part of it. But the fact that Jerry Jones is unilaterally, um, you know, Jerry Jones has, has made unilateral business decisions for himself for a while in terms of backing out of the, you know, the NFL collectively negotiates sponsorships with various uh, companies, but he created his own uh, cons- Cowboys-only consortium where he doesn't share and he doesn't uh, get any of the revenue sharings anyway. So he's been doing that stuff for a while in terms of acting on his own, but in terms of trying to influence league policy in a way that reflects on the whole league uh, on a social level, this is a first. And I don't think the NFL and Roger Goodell clearly doesn't have any solution for how to address it. So even if they come up with a, some kind of different policy in these discussions with the NFLPA, 
uh, how they get Jerry Jones to to uh, enforce that agreement for his team, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, and the Wall Street Journal this week reported about, or uh, a while back, I guess, reported the conversation that uh, Jones and Trump was calling Jones all the time, apparently, four or five times. And one of his messages to uh, Jerry Jones was, this is a very winning, strong yeah. issue for me. Tell everybody you can't win this one. <clears throat> this one lifts me. And it's pretty obvious that, uh, you know, that the anyone in the NFL who protests in any way is doing Donald a favor because it's an issue that he can make a lot of noise. The president can make a lot of noise about as everybody else, as other people are talking about Russia, you know? But, but uh, yeah. And on the other hand though, like I think the goalposts will keep moving. Um, yes. At least they have to this point. So if you're, if, if the idea is, well, let's just give him what he wants. Um, let's, let's get everybody to agree to stand up, give the players whatever they need in order to, to not kneel. Um, then that doesn't mean that it goes away because if it's a working issue for him, then he'll. You would think any politician and him especially will find a way to to, to carry, you know, carry on that narrative maybe in another vein. So I I think that, and there's a lot of agreement in, within the NFL on this too that any attempt to you know situationally placate him and think that that's the end of the story is going to be misguided. So it's almost as if yes. they need to figure out what they're going to do come up with a plan to defend it and and not to be dramatic but kind of have the courage to stand by it and and absorb whatever barrage is going to come and just continue operating the business because i don't think that they're going to get to the other there's a a path here to get to the other side where it no longer becomes an issue for him and also you can't say even just to add to that you know even when they come up with a policy there's no there's no guarantee that one random player or more Out of one thousand five hundred six hundred ninety six players that are on rosters won't say you know I don't care what the policy is I feel so strongly about this issue that I'm going to kneel anyway and I'll take the fine or I'll take the whatever and so then even if you think you've placated him you can't I don't think you can control one thousand six hundred ninety six players no. at all time without their consent and uh, yeah and I mean you got to look at the workforce and uh, you know the workforce is so who's your uh, who are you more worried about, the politicians or the workforce or the people who are going to follow a politician? It, it is. A, they've, you're right. It's Politically, they've never been in a no-win like that's this. The, and that's the debate within the league, too. There's some owners who, who prioritize you know, the presidential seal of approval or the presidential leave us, uh, leaving us alone, I guess. And there's some who prioritize the workforce. And, so that, and then there's some in between. And so there's all that. It's swimming around. The same discussion you and I are having, people you know, are watching the games are having, is going on within the league. And that's part of why they're so paralyzed, is that they really don't have a consensus among them. And they don't have, apparently, Goodell, even with his new contract and everything, and, and slapping Jerry down and fining him a little bit, apparently still doesn't have the clout to tell him to shut up. No, this, his, his silence especially, really dating back to um, when the whole White House thing happened with the Eagles, uh, which was not long after the the policy was announced in May, has been really striking. Um, you know, it, it's an unprecedented situation. No sports league has really ever run afoul of uh, the president of the United States in this way, and found itself in a situation where it was having its business potentially damaged. But in terms of the uh, you know the visibility of the leader on this 
on this uh, very widespread issue, it's been non-existent, and that's been that's been very noted. I think. Kevin, uh, you've covered the NFL for a long time now. I've always uh, been struck by the relationship between offensive line coaches and the and their their position group. It's a completely different relationship than yeah. you see other places. They're like they're in this world of their own, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's what uh, you know. Obviously, uh, beyond dying at age fifty six, that makes uh, that that's that makes it a very emotional time for uh, certainly for the organization, but also for the position players. I would think uh, t- the death of Tony Sperano. Yeah, and we found that I think we saw that to a different degree with the Corey Stringer death. Um, yes. And yes, that's true. There, there's just you know my I think your perception's right. Uh, there's generally a sense amongst all teams that the only people who really understand line play are the people who are doing it. You know, the players and the coach who is the expert at it. Um, other assistant coaches, you know, don't know it. The head coach, you know, doesn't understand it. You know, I'm sure they do, but the perception amongst the people is always that the only people who really understand what we have to do every day are the people, you know, in this room and the people who who are uh, on us uh, with us on the practice field. So even in a in a sense where all teams consider themselves family, the offensive line group is always very um, uh, unified, and they're and they're they're different from almost everybody else on the team in terms of their athleticism or lack thereof, or their um, or then their their size, their demeanor, their mentality. It's all very specific to that position more than I think in any others. And so um, while I think there would be an outpouring from a lot of assistant coaches at other positions as well had this fate uh, occur to them, it's especially um, uh, hits home when it's an offensive line. Uh, Sean Payton and uh, a lot of the uh, Saints actually came up here. Uh, I'd forgotten that uh, Peyton and Sperano uh, basically came into Dallas together for Parcells, and uh, he said they had offices next to each other. He's an interesting cat, Peyton. He seems like be a raving egomaniac, but he also has an incredible number of friends in the game. Yeah, he. I mean, he came up through the right tree. I mean, the the, the Parcells tree has as many people in prominent spots around the league as any. Um, You know, there's a few others, but. Right now, that's one of the leading trees, and so you they all identify with each other. And I think there's a lot of people throughout the league who at different times, you know, might have had a run-in with Sean Payton uh, on a competitive scale. And, um, you know, he gets very competitive, and, you know, it affects the sportsmanship sometimes. But uh, they all respect him as a, as a coach and as somebody who has had, you know, what they all seek, which is a period of extended success over time. Um, and so there, there's a lot of respect for him, uh, and also he has those that kind of built-in family of, of the Parcells, um, of the Parcells tree as well. Do you have to hit the road for training camps here, or can you uh, stay home and uh, uh, be a pundit? No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, last year I was I was doing Vikings camp because uh, Gessling had uh, departed, and we hadn't yet hired Courtney Cronin. <laughs> so uh, I was I was. All in on Vikings last summer, so this year I'm going to make up for it. And Sunday I leave for about ten days to see as many camps as I can get to before the 
before the, the car runs out of gas. All right, sir. Well, uh, you have a uh, good trip, and uh, thanks for your time. And I hope these trips are more successful than the trip to see Johnny Manziel was. Yeah, I'm going to expand it. I'm not just looking for one player. <laughs> okay, sir. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, see you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Kevin Seifert. He'll be our Thursday guest this year on Talking Purple. Once again, we love that conversation. And you can follow his uh, wonderful coverage on ESPN.com. As I always say, best beat guy I ever worked with. You're on the ride with Royce. Try to be as cynical as any other writer, and no one could be at your level, but I'm trying. On 1500 ESPN. That remains a very hurtful cheap shot that my friend Mark Topkin took at me. One of my favorite ever in working with you for all these years. Eight times. Came out of nowhere, too. It kind of said, yeah, when you take a cheap shot, you want it to come out of nowhere, except if you're the victim, right? Well, and but the, the beauty sudden, is, you know, when people hear you say the, a very hurtful cheap shot, you take that with a smile on your face. Because <laughs> oh, yes. you, you love the art of a good cheap yes, shot. that's right. Especially when it uh, knocks, a, knocks, you know, knocks you for a loop sideways. <laughs> for instance, in Bud, I was writing a column about the death of Bud's son, Bruce Grant, and Mike Grant gave me some great stuff, but... I I put in there and I said, Bud is a savant in many areas, uh, including football, the outdoors, and garage sales. You got to, you got to, <laughs> right. you know, even in a even in a column uh, emotional like that, yeah, I can slip in that little needle there at the end, and I'm sure Bud got a smile out of that, or Absolutely. maybe not. All right, what do you got there uh, on another action-packed day? The trades I'll are say. coming fast and furious here, and we're not even to the deadline yet. The deadline's not till Tuesday. Tuesday no. at three o'clock. Uh, this report is sponsored by KFC. Get the new crispy kernel sandwich from KFC. The new KFC. Crispy Kernel $5 fill-up with wedges, cookie, and drink. This offer is not everywhere and not forever. Prices may vary. Tax and substitutions extra. As Patrick mentioned, the Twins have traded infielder Eduardo Escobar to the Arizona Diamondbacks for three minor league players, right-handed pitcher Yoan Duran, and outfielders Ernie De La Trinidad and Gabriel Maciel. Whatever are... happened to George Smith? I know. <laughs> Duran is a 20-year-old single-A starting pitcher with 71 strikeouts in 64 innings. He does. This have is a... like covering Greco-Roman wrestling now. <laughs> you never have anybody named Pete. De La Trinidad <laughs> is a 22-year-old outfielder from single-A. He was hitting 311 with eight home runs and 56 RBIs. You know, when, we had, uh, when we had Hispanic guys, when the Twins first came here to Cubans, Pete Ramos. Anybody can spell Pete Ramos. Yeah, but you guys struggle with Zoilo. Well, Zoilo, we had those the two L's screwed us up. <laughs> two L's being a Y. We right. couldn't figure that out. What does that mean? But Camilo Pasquale, as long as you could get the U and the A to the, the right, you know, mm-hmm. that's easy. That was, it was easy. Uh, yeah, Julio Bacare. Julio Bacare. That's easy. C K U E R. Great guy. Still with us. Uh, Miguel. Now we got guys with seven, eight names, you know. Miguel Sano, by the way, has been recalled to take the place of Eduardo Escobar on the roster. He will not be in uniform tonight, but should be tomorrow. Your new Eduardo Escobar Les Twins lineup. Polanco at short, Rosario in left, Dozier at second, Garver behind the plate, Morrison at first, Idri at Iri Adrianza at third, Kepler in right. Robbie Ghostman in center and Jake Cave gets the start in center field against Chris Sale. They won't let him play against lousy left handers, (laughs) and now he's got to play against Sale. We have Fox Sports North on in here, Pat. They just did the old side by side comparison of tonight's starting pitchers, Lance Lynn against Chris Sale. Uh Those numbers look like. 
the downhill shift of any type of comparison between those two. Well, uh, right. If right, if they if it if they get if they're getting knocked around in the third or fourth inning, and you don't see Ryan Presley pitch tonight, there's he a gone. pretty good chance he's gone. So, mm-hmm. so what you're saying, Reavers, is there's a different, there's a vast difference in numbers and in body size between the two. <laughs> oh yes, tonight. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. Does Sale want to fight? We'll fight him. Right. I'll take him on. Uh, the WNBA All-Star Game is going to be held tomorrow afternoon over at Target Center. I can't believe this, but this marks the 22nd season of the WNBA mm-hmm. already. Started in 97. Tip from Target Center tomorrow afternoon is at 2.30 p.m. and on to our sister station, 5 Eyewitness News. And how about this quote? Jace Frederick tweeted this out about an hour ago. Could this be the most Minnesota thing ever? He says, I asked Mystics guard Christy Tolliver about uh, Minnesota basketball fans. Part of her response, quote, it's the only place I feel like I come to where I get heckled, but it's in a super nice way. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, And also, this year's Hall of Fame inductions will have a few local ties Sunday in Cooperstown. St. Paul native and 91 World Series MVP Jack Morris will be enshrined. Morris pitched for four teams over an 18-year career, winning the World Series four different times. The city of St. Paul will now have three elected members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Former twin slugger Jim Tomey will also be enshrined. Tomey played for six teams. How many's Joliet have? He's Joliet or Peoria? I can't remember which. I thought How it, many Hall of Famers they got? Was he, he Peoria was or Joliet? I thought he was Peoria. I can't remember. Uh, but he played for six teams over a 22-year career, including the Twins in 2010 and 2011. And you he know, you're have, He should have Rick Reed there as a special guest. Yes, she should introduce him. <laughs> By the way, you were mentioning how why he's beloved. I'll never forget. I was at the game with a friend when he came back, either in 12 or 13, with the Phillies, and they. The crowd gave him a standing ovation as he crushed a three-run homer to mm-hmm. beat the Twins. I'll never forget that. Hey, it was uh, it was uh, Peoria that Peoria. Okay. The uh, mention of the WNBA All Star Game has me. I got a. I got a piping. The fixer has a Uh-oh. piping hot idea that I'll throw into late hits. But uh, WNBA All Star, they chose upside. You know, so oh, yeah. I got a piping mm-hmm. hot idea. Uh, when we go oh, back. I was just okay. saying your other All Star or your other uh, Hall of Famers: Vlad Guerrero, Trevor Hoffman, Alan Tremblay, of course, Chipper Jones. A great big Chipper group. Jones. A great big group this year. So uh, yeah, Jack's only getting eight minutes. He might spend five of those crying. So it could be short. All right. The ride with Royce now continues. It's time for late hits. I know this might sound a little wacky, but the fixture. Uh we, we love we've decided we love choosing upsides, right? Oh have, yeah. Having the shows that, to the, choose upsides. Absolutely. Yes, the NHL started, started by Preble and Murphy. <laughs> yeah. The NHL started it, right? They started now now they don't do that anymore, right? No, they, they had the three team deal, didn't they? Yeah, but they no, they they or, would choose upsides. So they were the first one, and then they went to four different teams That's based four, on the yeah. division. Yeah, a little, little semifinal they, tournament. They thing, that. Yeah. But they, they invented it. Then the NBA started choosing upsides. This year, And yep. now the WNBA is choosing upsides. I have come up with a oh, fantastic idea for the NHL <laughs> and the NBA. Eliminate the game. No. <laughs> no. This is not for the All-Star game. This oh. is for the playoffs. Oh. This is for the playoffs. Here comes the fixer. You got 16 teams, mm-hmm. right? I'm the number one seed. The captain of that, the, the senior superstar of that team picks his opponent. 
they have a big they have a big thing TV at night. Oh my God! You pick your opponent, right? Yep. Mm. You pick your opponent out of those sixteen. You just take the sixteen best. So this year, who was uh, Houston? Right, number one. Yep. yep. They were. The they would have been number one. James Harden picks who he wants to play. And they he probably would have picked the Timberwolves. the Timberwolves. But <laughs> yes. that's not the point. Right. The right. point is. You pick, and then number two picks who they want. Well, think of that. ESPN goes wall to wall. What do you think the ratings would be for that? That would be pretty. Yeah, it would be like the NF NBA draft. I mean, it would be like so. It'd be a playoff draft. draft. James Harden shows no respect for the Milwaukee Bucks. You can't. You can't do that in the NFL. Probably you can't do that in the NA. But you can do it in the NHL and the NBA, and it'd be great. And just think the incentive would give the these you know the one versus sixteen and they, these they gave us no re, they they gave us no respect angle. Think of the time that ESPN and the FS One and all of oh. would have to yell and scream you and know, talk for like three days. Before <laughs> do you the know how popular started. this would be, Pat? In all honesty, I'm telling you, Skip and Shannon might get a one share. <laughs> yeah. That's how popular this why, would be. Why not? <laughs> Why not? As we go, to, we're going to start putting guys on second base. Oh yeah, we're going to start. You know, we're going to start having three balls and two strikes. We're going to change sports monumentally. Pick your playoff opponent. I and, like it. And every April, I the like local it. scribes and everybody involved say, "No one's giving the Wild a chance and because." Here's, <laughs> and know. here's the good part: we could do it again after the first round. Oh yeah. Who's hmm. ever left with the best record? Now they get to pick their opponent again. It would maybe give you not. an incentive to have a maybe, good record in the regular maybe we season. We would have to have brackets. Uh, you know, let's uh, you know, maybe, maybe we can only do it once, but it would be fantastic. Oh, that man. would be pretty cool. Yeah, wouldn't it? Pick your player. Well, remember, yeah. remember the storyline out of the. I was, you know, and by the way, the player once you're in the playoffs and you know you're the number one seed. He's not allowed to consult with his team. Nope. It's, it's all on him. <laughs> well, fine. It's all on him to walk out there. It's all on LeBron to walk out there as the three seed and say, we want to play such and such. And how, it, Because remember the storyline after the selection was, Kevin Durant didn't select Steph Curry, or was it Steph Curry didn't select yeah. Steph, uh, Kevin yeah. Durant? Whatever yeah, it was. Steph, but that Steph was, was one of the captains. That was yeah. the we big controversy. The playoff... Uh, Pick your playoff I like opponent. It. I think it's great. It would be perfect for 2018. That would, that Absolutely. Would, that would be oh, pretty yeah. cool. Perfect for the perfect for the National Basketball Association. Oh, yeah. For sure. The amount of screaming we could get to out of that would be great. Hey, Jim All James finally has an opponent for the August 24th of boxing card at the Minneapolis Armory when they announced this, what, 10 days ago. Uh, they already had an opponent for Caleb Truex. Caleb's uh, opponent is uh, a guy named, uh, what was it, Fernando Pina and a Brazilian who's, who doesn't have a real good record. But uh, he's called the pit bull, so you can't, anybody called the pit bull, you can't, you can't overlook, right? No. He might bite you. But uh, the uh, Jamal James ends up with a guy named Mahonry Montez, uh, M-A-H-O-N-R-Y. I'm sure I'm uh, pronouncing it wrong. He's from Mexico, and not only is he from Mexico, I think he's, uh, what is the province? The Sinolaya, Sinolaya province, S-I-N-O-L-O-A. That's where all the cartels, that's where all the cartels are from. This guy's tough, okay? He's 35, 7, and 1. He's 28 years old, 
And Jamal James, he had a real tough fight with Abel Ramos the last time. And uh, this, this, he's number three in the world at the welterweight in the WBA right now. He's 23-1, and one, big, tall kid, uh, rangy. But uh, Ramos gave him a tough fight, and this looks like it's going to be another tough fight. August 24th, uh, back in the armory, it's a fantastic building for... Uh, boxing, unfortunately, uh, what, uh, three blocks away is the uh, entrance to the uh, new football stadium, and the Vikings have an exhi- their third exhibition game that night. So that might... That might uh, Ooh, not the all-important third preseason game. The third game. preseason game, yeah. which is basically just a regular... It's like a regular oh, season Oh, it is, game. absolutely. It's as important as a regular season game. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, who, who, who's, who, you know... Is Kyle Slaughter or Trevor Simeon? By then, we got to find out who's the second quarterback, right? Remind you're you're reminding me. Guess who turned in his audition for Sportscaster Idol today? Kyle Slaughter, Randy from Cottage Grove. Right. I saw him tweet. He said, "He said my tape is in. Let me know." <laughs> and then he also added, "You got to put Clamato in, or it ain't gonna taste right." What? Well, if I'm on the committee, he's uh, in. He's in. He's in. All right, bunch of trades today. Uh, uh, Cabrera, yep. Oz Drubal Carrera uh, goes from the Mets to the Phillies as soon as the uh, the uh, Escobar goes to the Diamondbacks. So I think you're right. The Phillies were trying to get yep. him. Uh, does this mean Dozier's going to the Brewers? I think so. But I, yep. there was a rumor floating that the Twins might have to attach a pitcher, whether that's Lynn or whoever. Maybe it's Irv. I have no idea. To get but what? To, just to get a better uh, return. For, uh, for for, for from Milwaukee, yeah, that's that's the well, rumor. Milwaukee just gave up uh, two prospects for, for Joaquin Soria for uh, Soria, and by the way, uh, Hamels uh, going to the, uh, to Cubs. the Cubs. Mm, Hamels and Hap moving to me, okay, that helps the back end of your rotation, and maybe Hamels can find it again. But neither of those guys terrify. Hamels has not been but good for. Here's what for I'll a say while. about this move. I like a guy that has a decent track record that's going from a god-awful situation in Texas where he has nothing around him to to a winning situation. Let me put it this way. If I was Jake Cave, I'd rather face Hamels or Hap than... uh, than Chris. Hill. Well, no. <laughs> well, is that a sturdy limb you're out on? Out there, baby. I think this limb can hold my big fat ass. That's what I think. We'll be back and uh, no more daily complaints. This is the Friday feel good thought for the week. The great Sturgill Simpson has been our musical guest today, and we appreciate him. We're winding down the summer musical guests here now. We'll, uh, next week, we'll be out at uh, the uh, 3M Championship, uh, Manny and That's I. That's next be out week there. already? Yep. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. First week of August, baby. That's right. My goodness. First week of August. That's for the sure. The State Fair will be here before we know it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> after throwing that at me, how am I going to have a Friday for the thought for the week? But, Dang uh, it. You, I ruined your perfect day. <laughs> That's right. Things are one of my 15 perfect days of the year, and now you threw that at me. Go I love, ahead, though, boy. we're going to have the, I hear we are not broadcasting at the yes, fair this yeah, year. I, was, I, haven't, you know, I haven't even had the guts to say that. They get upset when I say uh, that. My feel-good thought for the day is I am so thankful that we get to work with hardworking, dedicated people at this radio station. Chief among them, Judd Zolgad, who is... Arguing with Twins fans, upset with the Eduardo Escobar trade. 
John. Always it's be. It's 6 o'clock. It's 80 degrees outside. Always Go do beer. something. Always be rebuilding. <laughs> <laughs> He's, dude, He's, how can oh. we get how can we get Alec, Alex Baldwin to say always be you know always yeah, be yeah, selling yeah. Oh always God. be rebuilding I we got to get that sound I do love that people are already it's oh, yeah. been two hours since the trade so and people shut. and people are already like oh I can't believe they only got this for him and it's, yeah it, it is funny it's eighty degrees you cannot you cannot make a trade have a beer you cannot the fact is they got three A ball players that nobody knows anything about right. Right. Who could, one of them could be the next Eduardo Escobar. Yes, that's right. Here we go. Uh, except there isn't an infielder. But that's, that's, that's close. Well, close to, to and, they, and they don't have anybody with a name as easy as to say as Eduardo Escobar. Or Pedro Hernandez. What do you got there, man? Well, my feel-good thought is to sort of piggyback off of the Eduardo Escobar trade. I'm happy for the Eduardo yes. Escobar trade because be Eddie, my guy, Eddie Esco, he's going to go to a team he's that's going to be, be in the middle of a pennant race. He's going to be making $10 million next year. Yeah, yeah so good for agent. him. He's, yeah, he's going to be playing in some meaningful Baseball games in September. That's good. He's I'm a glad great for him. guy. He's a cheer. You know, he comes from uh, Venezuela, where just it's absolute mess down there right now. He's doing the best he can to help people out. Uh, he's got feeding two hundred people a day with some foundation, and now he's going to have more money to help these people out. I uh, I cannot uh, be upset about him. And are you, you serious? And yeah, are you serious? <laughs> and you got a chance to bring him back uh, next year if you want to. I don't know if they will because that's. One of their uh, good, they're going to miss him on that clubhouse, though. That's for uh, yeah. It looked that way too from all the quotes rolling out, and maybe because he was so good in the clubhouse, that might increase their chances of being a little more eager to try and bring him back in the offseason. We'll see. What's your feel-good thought, sir? Well, uh, Manny beat me out, so I I was going to say the same thing. I'm glad that he's going to. What I'm glad for him is a kid like that who who beat all the odds. Nobody wanted to sign him because he was so damn small. And uh, he'll probably get a $30 million contract. Good for and, him. Uh, take care of his family and take care of a lot of people in Venezuela. So you, yippee, Cayo, and I hope Eddie uh, goes to the World Series. We'll uh, do this next week.